Neat Stuff Podcast, episode 22. So welcome to the Neat Stuff Podcast. My name is Devin. And this is Tyson. We're back for another week of wonderful, neat things. So before we get rolling, what have you been up to this week, Tyson? Oh, more Borderlands 2. Been enjoying that. I've been playing that with Haley still. So, but yeah, other than that, mostly work stuff. It's looking like we're getting closer to launch. We're just, you know, doing our final launch checklist, making sure all the content's in place. It looks like everything's fully functional at this point. So do you get to push the big red button that sets everything to live? I wish, but no, it's going to be uh, contact the server, t- the, the web server team and have them uh, po- repoint the, the HTTP address at the actual, you know, the right place. And there we go. Oh, so, yeah. You need to have some sort of crazy launch party where it's like, you have a countdown timer and you hit a big red button and everything like lights up and you have a dun da da. Yeah, except everyone's going to be gone for the holiday. So. Oh, true. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What, what, so what have you been up to? Well, um, season three is just around the corner for League of Legends. So they've done a complete overhaul of the game and everything's different now. Everything that was old is now new. So I'm trying to figure out how to actually play the game. Well, like figure out all my builds and that kind of stuff and see all the new items and all that other fun, wonderful thing. Um, It is kind of cool. And I think it's a really fun game. And if you haven't checked it out in a while, I definitely suggest that you go and do that. The other thing I've been playing a ton of because Cat hasn't been around is Natural Selection 2, which is our first neat thing. So... Natural Selection 1 was way back in the day. Remember Half-Life from last episode? Well, it was a mod that was based off of the Half-Life engine, like the Half-Life 1 engine. So, oh, wow. I mean, it was it's kind of a, was a weird cult success. Um, what was really cool is that it used asymmetric multiplayer. So it was two teams, and you had the humans, which were the frontiersmen, and they have guns and technology and robots and century, um, centuries and exoskeletons and all that cool technology stuff. And they're against the aliens who have, you know, very fast melee focused creatures that evolve into more powerful creatures. So there's um, so each side uh, has a few different things. The humans are all pretty much human. The only real difference is if you have a jet pack or if you have a shotgun or something. And the aliens is if you're, you know, a healer unit, a flying unit, a big tank-like unit, a, a cloaking stealth burst or speed around unit. Now, you mentioned that it's asymmetric, but it sounds like you have similar... You know, units on both sides that fulfill similar roles, you know, jetpack versus flying unit. Uh, How does the asymmetry kind of come to the front? To really understand how the asymmetric asymmetry works, you have to go into the second part of what what makes natural selection special. It's two games in one. There's a first person shooter, which is what a majority, 99 percent of everyone plays. But one player on each side is designated or just can jump into a commander seat and they get a real-time strategy view 
and they are able to build structures and build resource generators and build all these different things and move, you know, the aliens can move out the, the creep along and build different units. Now, what's interesting is that each side gets resources. So if you are just a normal Marine, you have an assault rifle, which is okay. But if you want a shotgun, you got to buy it with resources. And if your commander isn't building resources or you're losing resource points, you're not going to buy the shotgun. And if you're, are going to do that other stuff. It it is the like the 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 play style is very different. The humans basically have a welder which can heal stuff, but it's not very good. Where the aliens have a little beast that runs around that can put up blocks and can heal a lot of stuff around it. And there's a bunch of different units, so there is some similarity, but there's also a lot of difference in how things play. So unlike like other Half-Life Half-Life based games like Deathmatch or Counter-Strike where you're very balanced. I mean there's not a whole lot of difference between terrorist and uh counter-terrorist and say Counter-Strike it seems that you know there's a lot of play difference between the two sides. Oh yeah. And then not only that, it also sounds like they've really kind of cracked that melding of the first-person shooter with the real-time strategy game. So you kind of—it sounds like you're kind of one person on each team is playing StarCraft, and the rest of the the rest of the players are playing, you know, a first-person shooter, basically. Yeah, and what's interesting is that you know the aliens are relatively weak. They have one really—they have a really powerful unit called the Onos, which I think is really hilarious. <laughs> the Onos. You know, they call it the Onos because that's what you say when you see it. Because <laughs> you see one of them, you're like, oh, nos. You see three of them charging your base, you're like, oh, we're dead. We're <laughs> so dead. We're so dead. So it takes a while for them to build up, but eventually they rule. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the aliens are based off of speed and stealth and getting in close, as close as possible. Humans are all about, you know, using science and technology to detect the aliens to shoot at them at long range and kill them before they can come in and really mess their day up. The, the, so the combat of the game is just, as you said, it's very asymmetric, very humans who are have a technological advantage versus the aliens, which seem to have a almost a biological advantage. Yeah, pretty much. That really harkens back to the 1986 movie Aliens by James Cameron. Now... Most everybody should be familiar with them. If they're not, um, Aliens is the sequel to the move, the 1979 movie by Ridley Scott, Alien. And one of the really interesting and kind of groundbreaking things about it is that the aliens in these films don't have an advantage over us technologically. They're not smarter than us or have huge battle fleets. They have just really brutal biology. You know, they've got acid blood, they they use us, they, they use other living beings as kind of incubators for their young. Uh, the 79 movie really used, really introduced them in a way that, because they were so literally alien, we had never seen anything quite like this. And it was a wonderful, very creeping horror film of the 79. And then the 86 film, uh, followed a lone survivor from the first movie who's called upon to help a group of space marines to find out what happened and to kind of verify her story, even though no one really believes her because, you know, what the hell, biological alien things that, you know, 
nest in your belly and then burst out of your chest well to be fair this this universe there were no aliens at all they thought they were alone in the universe they never ran into anything like this true true and this you know the first alien movie it's uh just a shipping ship or a cargo ship that just randomly runs into a planet and I mean, it just goes downhill from there, like <laughs> really fast and people start dying and it's like, oh, no. But, you know, and and that's kind of sort of the 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 sort of horror aspect of all the Aliens movies is that there's a lot of humans that die. But not, not only that, it's just it, it's unexpected. It's, you know, you have these literally, you know, horrible aliens. They are horrible and they are completely outside of human experience that just you never quite understand exactly what's going to happen next and um you know the 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 first one the 79 was definitely very horror a little bit of you know jokey bits there very very human though but the sequel a- aliens added a lot more actions now with the whole space marines and whatnot and they added some more dark humor and then mixed it with that sort of creeping horror of there's really no way we can win at this. Like, this is just overwhelming. Yeah, pretty much the it, the, the only way to... It, it's you got. I don't want to give away plot points. But the only way to deal with it is you got to nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, if they could destroy planets, they would do that as well. Just because it takes one alien to 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 get somewhere else and the whole place will be destroyed is, is boned so yeah it's a good film uh the first two are definitely the best of the franchise a lot of people don't like three i enjoyed it i liked it it, it moved away from the horror and became more of a human drama which i enjoyed but it, you know every one of these movies for the most part is really a different genre of film <laughs> yeah you know, I mean, the first one was very much horror. The second one was very much action and drama. The third one was just this kind of character study with, you know, this sort of human drama character study with, you know, of course, the aspects of we have this overwhelming, unbeatable foe. You know, how are we going to survive? The fourth one, again, they tried to go the action, but mix it with the human drama and it really didn't work very well prometheus from what i hear i haven't had a chance to see it but you know prometheus which is technically sort of a prequel so on a different planet with completely different people and another time who knows yeah so it's so the aliens franchise you know even though it is a very much established franchise it's used in very, very many different ways, um, and on mix and mashed. Like I said, it horror, action, drama, and it's mashed up with other stuff. I mean, there's whole comic series and book series of the aliens, and you know, one of its most famous crossovers is with the 1980s movie Predator. So. The Predators movie was an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Was I mean, this was straight on, uh, we're going to have macho big guns. I mean, like there's a scene where he basically had a minigun off of a helicopter and just <laughs> plowing, like just, just bullets everywhere, taking out a poor defenseless jungle. Yes, and, completely missing his target. Yeah, completely. Because the Predator, which is established as the, as the ultimate hunter, is a bipedal... 
kind of creature that can cloak, that has advanced weaponry, that kind of has that mix of good biology and advanced technology to really wreck a human's day. But there's this there's interesting bits about how the predators depend on that technology to be the hunters that they are. And going back to a very, it was kind of, I think it was an analogy a lot to the Vietnam War when very low-tech solutions were able to defeat the very high-tech predator. And where it crossed over with aliens is that in the second movie where it suddenly takes place in a, instead of the jungles of South America, it takes place in a populated city. You actually get to see the inside of one of these predator crafts. And the prop department decided to mount one of the heads from the aliens on the wall. I mean, just randomly, this prop department, aliens and predators, two different unrelated intellectual properties owned by two different studios completely unrelated, got crossed over in one shot, and it made perfect sense to all the fans. On the one hand, you have the most dangerous creature in the galaxy, the aliens that, you know, all other biological life they will, you know, use to their own end. And on the other hand, the most dangerous hunter in the galaxy looking for the biggest game the most overwhelming challenge and then right here in the middle is us poor humans who have no idea what's going on and so this spawned a series of books then a series of comics and then finally uh, well not finally because eventually there was a movie but before the movie there was a series of games Aliens versus Predator. So there had been a few games on like Super NES and a few other really in like an arcade game. But the first real, I think the best, realistically, the best Aliens versus Predator game. I've, Still one of the best early yeah. Aliens versus Predator games. And a really good shooter too was Aliens versus Predator Classic 2000, which is what you can find on Steam. But it's in 1999, Fox Interactive released it for PC. And I think this was the first 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 person shooter that you played the three different roles and you had the three very distinct different combat styles so you had your marines with your shotguns and your assault rifles and your smart you know and uh, like the smart rifles the rocket launcher the the, the the load lifter i love the load lifter it's so unwieldy and a pain to be in but oh uh, 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 smash crunch Oh, that was so much fun. It was so shoehorned in. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. But um and with and then there's the aliens who have their, you know, their bite and their tail whip and their claws, but they can go on walls, on ceiling. And what's really cool about this one is that your perspective shifted when you moved. So when you ran up a wall, you're you're you didn't like suddenly like look like you're sideways up a wall. You actually when you hit a wall, the wall would become the floor. And then you hit the ceiling and the ceiling would come the floor, and then you'd look up which was actually looking down at your prey and then you jump and bite on their head and you really, really old school, you know, blood spurts and stuff. Yeah. The second one, which I also really enjoyed, it's, it's still very good, but not as tight. I mean, the first one was really tight and really kind of got what each of these factions were. The second one was cool is that when you started playing the aliens, you literally started off as a face hugger and kind of worked your way through the different life cycles of the xenomorphs. It was just very cool. 
if you're looking to really kind of get a real sense of what each one is and the aliens versus predator classic that game it was frightening like as the oh, as totally. the as the humans i mean you're like oh god oh god because you have to fight both the aliens which is like okay it's frightening and there's a lot of them and you can kind of mow your way through them but then you run into your first predator and you're like i (laughs) am going to die (laughs) there's no way running 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 it's i don't know Uh. what's interesting is that the sonar of what's the like the coolest thing about aliens is that the humans have this sonar device the motion detector yeah motion detector which is both the best and worst thing you could possibly have because it's like oh it beeps and then if there's something moving it beeps which is like oh okay cool so you got beep beep but it doesn't really it kind of gives you a weird direction of where it is and it only points in front of you so you can kind of figure out that something's coming towards you, but you're not quite sure. Is it's it when coming it, from above, below? I mean, you can kind of sell from side to side, but it's not really sure. And anything that's moving triggers this. So a door opens and suddenly it goes crazy. You're like, oh, shit. Or, yeah. you know, you walk into a place and there's carts moving by. And every now and then it goes beep. And you're like, what's coming after? So, yeah. It, yeah. Oh. But it's more fr- the frightening part that makes it worse is when aliens fight in packs. They, if they're fighting by themselves, they're doing it wrong. Exactly. So when you have it beep and it's like 12, 15, 20 <laughs> pings, you're like, oh, my God. Or, like, you could kill one of them with your, with your rifle. But like you run out of bullets. There's it's what's what I lo- also love about it is that they have the they have the the magic number of happiness, which is how many bullets you have left in your gun, and it starts at fifty. And once you get like you like okay, I could probably kill one alien with about twenty five bullets. So you got about two aliens. <laughs> you like you see that that number drop down. You're like oh god, please die. Switch reload, reload, reload. Go go go. And honestly, the 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 most. As bad as it's, hey, there's a movement, and then there's five movements, and then there's 12, and you're like, running, running, running. What's even worse is if there's one movement, and it's making a beeline at you, and then suddenly it stops. And you know that, oh shit, that was a predator, and it's gone cloaked, and it's standing still, and it's waiting for me to turn a corner and pop my freaking head off with its snipe. I'm just like... No, because even if they're cloaked, they'd show up on your motion detector. So, you know, you'd be walking along and you'd see it on the motion detector and then it would stop and it would just disappear. And you're like, there's something over there and it's going to get me. So, yes. So it's it's a wonderful universe. And we really, I, I just, I can't just go and watch it. There's so much um, American culture that's based around it. There's a lot of memes and jokes. Game over, man. Game over. So if you don't get that joke, go watch the Aliens movie and then you'll understand what's going on. And then play the Aliens versus Predator game because it's what, like five bucks on Steam oh, right it's, now? Oh, it's like next to nothing on Steam. I mean, it's it's an old game. It's very cheap. If you could ever get... Okay, if you can get the, the multiplayer to work with that, please tell us. Like email us it at neatstuffpodcast at gmail.com because I really want to be able to play that game multiplayer. I, I got around to doing LAN parties after it had really fallen out of favor, so I never was really able to play it. But, oh, I've heard stories of people playing it and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So another great universe about, you know, humans and aliens locked in mortal combat, but really expanded to tons of humans and tons of aliens is the Warhammer 40K universe. Yeah, the Warhammer 40K universe uh, really along, you know, kind of piggybacking on 
the Alien and Aliens movies really is another one of those that used some of the ideas from there, but really revolutionized a lot of space uh, science fiction, especially in video games. A lot of video games come from not just the Warhammer 40k games, but a lot of video games draw their inspiration from the Warhammer 40k universe, which... You know, it also drew its inspiration from Alien and Aliens. Uh, the Warhammer 40k universe is a uh, is the setting of a war game, a tabletop war game with you know the little painted minis and whatnot. Now, if you start looking up Warhammer 40k stuff, you're gonna find some beautifully painted minis and some freaking crazy, crazy art. But basically, as the tagline says. In the future, there is only war. It's the 40th millennia, so it's, you know, it's the year 40,000-something. Uh, you know, nobody knows what the year is. Humanity has fallen into a dark age. The, uh, the emperor of man, the greatest psychic leader humanity had ever seen lays entombed in his golden throne where uh, the beacon of his mind fueled by the sacrifice of thousands of telepaths lights the way for the human empire to, you know, thrive and grow and survive in the cold blackness of space where they're constantly surrounded by a multitude of enemies from heretic humans that have gone mad under the influence of the mad gods of the warp, the the, the space between the worlds, the, the kind of the hyperspace of the setting. Uh, you've got the alien menace of the orc, this, you know, green skinned horde that as soon as enough of them get together all they can do is just ravage their way across the countryside you know looting and pillaging and killing as they go or the despicable Eldar this ancient civilization who has made so many mistakes and they're slowly dying out and they're poisoned by their own arrogance oh and of course back to the aliens the ravenous tyranids these strange biological creatures that steal the gene of all like they're a polygon of all the genes of all the various species of the galaxy that they literally descend upon worlds and just strip them of bare of any biological biologically useful material before moving on to devour a whole another world or if that's not bad enough there's actually undead robots yes. who are hell-bent on destroying all life in the universe <laughs> yes they're not just robots they're undead robots they literally yeah it it's freaking insane and crazy and oh my gosh is it just it is amazing to behold yeah if you've ever had a nightmare about a battle of just millions of troops and giant laser beams and huge explosions and all sorts of crazy weird creatures and technology it's it's pretty much the the warhammer 40k universe yeah and pretty much everything draws from me. Starcraft. I mean, Starcraft is basically Warhammer-style space marines versus, you know, Tyranids as Zerg versus the Eldar as um, as the Protoss. You know, 
ancient race with advanced technology that uses teleporters and psychic energy i mean it you know even the the mod the designs of the warhammer space marines really do inform the starcraft space marines i mean it's just there's so much crosstalk between there but that's the thing warhammer 40k is such a deep well to draw from there is Mm, so much like back history and stories and each race has factions that are different and there's sub factions and subgroups like space marines there's more than just space marine oh yeah there's also the imperial guard there's the inquisition there's there's the the whole assassins thing i mean and just the drama of the setting is great i mean you know you have these imperial guard that are you know basically dedicated their life to you know, saving humanity, not just from the outside menaces, but from itself. You've got the Imperial Guard that's being led, you know, that has to deal with all of the, the various human nobilities and whatnot. And it's just, it's crazy. And it started off actually as a role-playing game, uh, Rogue Trader, that then turned into a war game that then turned into, you know, like a squad-based war game that then expanded out into a you know, uh, epic space battles, you know, massive war game. So, yeah, I mean, it's just every thing that you can think of, it's it's gone there. It's There's a first-person shooter for space. Well, it's kind of over the shoulder, but the Space Marine console well, game. No, there there is a first-person shooter. It oh, was on there? PlayStation. That's it was, right. uh, was it Fire Warrior? And it was terrible because I would know because I played it and it's on PlayStation 2. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, was it bad. But well, a lot it's of- a first-person shooter on PlayStation 2, so I mean, it's yeah. there are very few good ones of those. They're, they exist, but they're very few and far between. It, it's not the right medium yet. Yeah, some of the best Warhammer games are actually the real-time, or the real-time strategy or turn-based strategy games. Um, there's the Dawn of War series for PC, that I mean, there's a huge, there's like four or five expansions for the original Dawn of War, and then it's the Dawn of War Two, which is a little more squadron-based combat. Yeah, I lo- it's it's interesting that you know Dawn of War is this very you look at it, it's very rem- reminiscent of Command and Conquer or StarCraft, that sort of real-time strategy. But then they went really, really close down for Dawn of War Two, where you. You max, I think what you max out like four guys. Yeah, it's five like guys? four or five guys, and it's yeah. and it's really one of the precursors to those small squad count. You know, having you know picking up gear and going around. I mean, they're both really good games. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime I see a you know Dawn of War game or a or a Warhammer forty k game come out, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good because you know they've like you can't go wrong with chainsaw swords <laughs> and giant las cannons and oh. you know walking crab death machines uh, I, oh the devastator with its grabber arm it gets up there it picks up the orc crushes it and then fires the flamethrowers through yeah. the orc i'm just like how can that be wrong <laughs> <laughs> it is so over the top violent and but just, also, just the story cow. behind it is just every piece of art evokes the theme. Every every time you look at something, I mean, even in the latest Space Marine game, which is this kind of third-person shooter, really good, very good on console, and actually with the Steam uh, big picture and the Steam's adva- uh, enhanced uh, controller support, really good on Steam big picture. No matter where you look... 
whatever you're looking at evokes the theme. You see these ancient kind of cathedrals that are falling apart on the human world. You know, you see the the architecture, the coloring. The, I mean, there is nothing that doesn't evoke the theme. And even the everything that comes out of a character's mouth, um, the intro bit where you literally are in a battle cruiser that has been shot down, it is falling through the atmosphere and you're like, all right, I need to take out that orc battle wagon there that's shooting everyone down in low orbit, strap on a jetpack, and I'm jumping out of this ship. I mean, it's... What? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to grab my two friends, we're going to strap on some jetpacks, and yeah, we're just going to... We're just going to, you know, jump from this ship and to this low orbit ship that's, you know, cause you and that's, you know, keeping my battle wagon out of the area. So, yeah, let's go do that. And I'm going to punch their gun. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) If you think like Master Chief in the Halo series is a badass. You have nothing on the space. (laughs) Those guys are crazy. So, yes, it's a fun universe to go in and play in. Definitely not one where you'd want to live in. No. But a lot of fun. (laughs) I mean, I can see myself surviving somewhat in the Halo universe and not being too... No, there's... No. No. Warhammer 40K is not a a universe. If you don't get eaten by aliens, you get conscripted into the Imperial Guard. Where you'll probably be shot by your own commander as an example for everyone else. Yep. But, uh... So... But yeah, it's it is a really good universe. Um, the tabletop game is really expensive. I mean, it can get really expensive because you're buying miniatures, and it's a great it's a great time sink if you have nothing that you really want to do and you want to work on a bunch of stuff and have something to do. Or if you need something that to kind of keep yourself busy for prolonged periods of time, a lot of people use the painting miniatures. Uh, I know that one of the things you know, Will Wheaton, when he was uh, younger and acting, he would paint miniatures you know, between sets or whatnot. So, I mean, if you have a lot of stuff that you have a lot of downtime on that you really can't get do anything very involved, I mean, the painting aspect's amazing, the game aspect's amazing, and even if you don't want to dedicate the time to it, the real-time strategies really do capture the feel of these turn, you know, even though they are not turn-based. And there are some older turn-based ones out Which there. are hard. Oh, oh my God, they're, they're hard. hard. So there was this great game, uh, turn-based, uh, released in 97, uh, developed by Holistic Design, you guys might be familiar with them, uh, called Warhammer 40k Final Liberation. And one of the coolest things about this game, and you, know, you don't have to play the game for this, was that they actually got actors to do the cutscene. So they, they didn't have the CGI for it, they got actors in full warhammer armor and if you ever see people in full warhammer costume it is incredible but they got them and they got them acting and it was so good uh if you go on youtube you can uh, do a search for uh final liberation on youtube and a lot of the uh cut scenes are there and it's just those cut scenes yeah, they just tell a story, and they really do it well. And that was a game where you could win the game and still destroy the planet. So, I mean, Exterminatus is always an option. <laughs> yep. 
So, so on that note, we are coming to we we must exterminate us the this podcast. Check out some g- good art. Go play some good games. Watch some damn fine movies. See if anyone wonderful stories of 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 great cosplay attempts at Warhammer 40k or anything like that. Wrap that up into an email and send it to neatstuffpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our old episodes, you can find us on iTunes at Neat Stuff Podcast or on our website at neatstuffpodcast.com. So from the Neat Stuff crew, my name is Devin. And this is Tyson. Have a wonderful week, guys, and we'll see you next week. The Neat Stuff Podcast is brought to you by the Xenobuster line of chain blades by Wayland Utani. Got a free hand? Why not a chainsword? Don't want to give up your rifle? Try our new chain bayonet. Hazardous worksite? Enhance the manipulators on your Caterpillar P5000 workloader with our 300 horsepower Devastator attachment kit. When you're alone in a galaxy of terror, think Xenobuster to rend everything within arm's reach. Rend everything!